0: Welcome to a new episode of I See It But I Don't Believe It. I'm Gemma Bastiani and I'm really excited to be talking about this topic today because I've wanted to talk about it for so long but needed the exact right guest. So I'm so glad when you chose this. I'm very, very happy to be joined by excellent human but also Melbourne supporter in the AFLW, Lucy Race. Hello.
1: Hello Gemma, how are you?
0: I am great that we get to talk about this. What about you?
1: Good. This feels really indulgent, actually. (laughs) we get to sit and talk about our love of the Melbourne AFLW team and this game in particular.
0: Yes. So I think a thing we both have in common is Melbourne isn't our AFLM team. So we have a very special attachment to this women's team, don't we?
1: That's right. So, and I think, you know, that's something that I love about AFLW, that we all come to the game, you know, with different stories and in different ways. And um, I have to say, my love of that Melbourne team is no way diminished, you know, yeah, because of that.
0: Right. And I well, I think we're both facing it. Soon, we're going to have to make a choice. And I don't think I'm going to be able to make a choice.
1: I know I just keep putting it off but I feel like with um, football the heart says what the heart knows and you just you'll know you'll know and I think you know my love of the Hawthorne Football Club which is my club for my whole entire life and my love of the men's team and the love of that Hawthorne VFLW team um, that doesn't mean that I can't have the same kind of love for Melbourne AFLW so I feel like my heart will just grow bigger.
0: I, I'm, I appreciate you saying this because I uh notoriously love like have have a soft spot for a lot of teams in and some different teams in both both leagues um, so in AFLW I really love Fremantle we all know this I really love the Suns and in the men's I obviously go for the Swans but I love the Melbourne team and I love now. I am mm. a member of the Suns. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's fair. <laughs> I, I was so close to getting a Gold Coast membership um, halfway through the AFLW season because I love Kalinda Howarth, I love mm-hmm. Kate Sermon, love what they're doing and then when Matt Rouse started playing I was like I need to buy this. <laughs> so um yeah it was only $55 so that's okay.
1: It's okay. I have to say um, my love of Gold Coast has really rocketed this year as well. I think you and I are kindred spirits and a lot of it is because of the women's team and mm-hmm. Kalinda I thought was just a standout. I have a massive soft spot for Tiana Ernst who I yes. just think is one of the smartest, most hardworking, brilliant footballers and I adore her. Um, so I've all, I've kind of had, you know, that love of the Suns and then Matt Rowe is just a joy to watch.
0: Unbelievable. Yeah. So, yeah. It's it's brought a nice light to a lot of people's lives, I think.
1: (laughs) I actually watched him play as a junior. So he played with a friend of mine um, with their son. And so I remember going and watching, you know, this one game and we were like, who is that kid? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. And he was amazing because not only was he the best player on the field, but he had the best footy brain because he would look around and, you know, he could have just blazed away every single time he had the ball, but he didn't. He was so intelligent and so generous in the way that he played with his teammates that it just, I was like, oh, this kid's going to go far.
0: Yeah. Melbourne's men's team could learn a thing or two from that. I'll just leave it at that. There is a, there is an opinion piece in the, in the works for me about that after the weekend. Anyway, um, I forgot to do the intro because I got really excited. (laughs) For those of us who don't, for those who don't know who you are, can you tell us who you are and what you do?
1: (laughs) Yes, I am Lucy Race. I am one of the co-hosts of the Outer Sanctum podcast and I am a footy fan and that's how I've come to this.
0: Heck yeah. And um, I wanted to also get you to tell us, because you've told me this story, but Lots of people don't know, I don't think. Um, how you came to follow Melbourne in the AFLW, given you're a Hawthorne supporter?
1: Well, when we back in 2017, when the licenses were all being given out as part of the with the podcast, I'm one of six. And the dirty little secret about our podcast is that we're all Hawthorne supporters. And the reason me. I know but it's actually a great thing because that's how we found each other so three of us are sisters so clearly we knew each other but the, we um, joined forces with the other three because we had a chat group that was all around football and it was yeah. because of our love of Hawthorne so we didn't go out seeking people and saying you, you know apply for this position in a podcast but you must barrack for Hawthorne it was basically the origin story so when the licenses were handed out in you know before the first season we were all talking about who we were going to go for and everybody had you know fun like some people had little feelings like Alicia's family go for Collingwood so she picked the Collingwood women's team and Emma clearly went for Carlton because her husband's a Carlton supporter and I had I just had this feeling about Melbourne and I think it grew out of my love of the Darabin Falcons because I'd watched them play in those two previous Fairfield W seasons I'd been to the grand final and watched them win Um, and then just through what is that lovely community of women's football um, I started to you know get to know some of the personalities Um, Daisy Pearce I'd always had a soft spot for a friend of mine who's a midwife who had worked with her. So I'd actually known her story for a very long time and had always kind of kept an eye on her. And um, so that was a, i definitely had a soft spot for her. And then um, I was lucky enough to, you know, in our first season of doing the podcast, I think we met Mel Hickey and yeah. um, Elise O'Day, who, um, you know, is one of my favourite players as well. And so <laughs> it was just a bit of a no-brainer. Yeah, and, you know, I, yeah. as a Hawthorne supporter, I've always wanted, you know, some colours better, you know, nicer on the eye than the golden brown. So <laughs> navy and red really <laughs> appealed to my aesthetic.
0: Well, and the red back Guernseys with the royal blue is pretty <laughs> oh, nice as well. No,
1: yeah. I, I like the navy. I, I like the navy yeah. better. Yeah? Yeah. Really? So, yeah.
0: On- controversial, I think.
1: Yeah, I know. Um... Not a true demon, maybe. <laughs>
0: No, oh, well, yeah, it, it's really I, I love the stories about how people found their AFLW team when it's a different team to one they followed in the men's or if they didn't follow the men's footy before that, mm. how they found their team. So, yeah, I mean, my whole family goes to Melbourne. So that was that for me. But, um, yeah, let's can you tell us the moment you've chosen to speak about today?
1: <laughs> yes, I have chosen to speak about the semifinal that Melbourne played against GWS which and, actually yes. turned out to be the last round of football for AFLW for season 2020.
0: Yeah. Um, and specifically Lily Mithans second-ever goal in <sighs> AFLW. Yes.
1: <laughs> the story of two goals. <laughs>
0: two goals. Um, okay. So we want to start this off by just giving a bit of insight into um, Melbourne's journey through AFLW uh, over the four years because, as Melbourne supporters, we feel ripped off, (laughs) uh, shortchanged, I could use many words for what happened over this time. So in 2016, Melbourne are given an inaugural license for the 2017 season. They were one of the front runners because they did have a number of exhibition matches between them and the Western Bulldogs since 2013. They signed one of the most well-known women's footy players in the country in Daisy Pierce as the marquee, and she was the first player to ever be signed to a list um, at AFLW level. They built a really strong list off the back of Darabin's strong development, which you've already mentioned, at state level. So Karen Paxman was one of them. Mel Hickey was another. Um, Elise O'Day. There's a lot of inaugural Melbourne players that did come straight out of that Darabin program, which is highly successful. What was it? Six, um, six flags in, what, six years or something like that?
1: Yeah, something like that. I always forget the actual numbers. <laughs> yeah,
0: incredible. Like they they were the most it was like the Port Adelaide magpies in the sandfall. Like that's how dominant Darwin Falcons were over that period. Um and heading into twenty seventeen, they were expected to be one of the strongest teams. Uh, season 2017 started with a game against Brisbane. They lost, so that didn't start great. Um, They were very strong, though, but missed finals on percentage. They had the same points as Adelaide, but a lower percentage. And at that stage, only the top three made it through to the grand final. So Melbourne missed out on percentage in 2017, which was devastating. Then we go to 2018, which was like deja vu. Strong, strong season, but missed the grand final on percentage. They had the same points as Brisbane but a lower percentage. So that's two years in a row that Melbourne supporters are just sad. Um, Then 2019, we're like, okay, this is our year. And then they introduce conferences.
1: (gasps) Oh, yes. If there was a combined ladder, maybe we would have made it.
0: Well, yes, though, because... With the switch to conferences, the top two of each conference made it through. Melbourne landed into the stronger conference, so the more difficult conference, with heavy hitters Adelaide, Fremantle, and North Melbourne. The Western Bulldogs were in there too, but they weren't really as strong as the other four. Mm. Um, They ended up with four wins and three losses and a percentage of 111.2, which was higher than Conference B's first place Carlton. But because of the conferences... Carlton and Geelong make it through to the finals and Melbourne and North Melbourne get knocked out even though they were the stronger teams. Yeah. So we just are all crying on the floor at this point. Um, Carlton did show a lot in finals. I'll give them that. But, you know, conferences
1: I know. You can't. And, look, you know, you. I also take heart from North Melbourne's, you know, just the way they were so stoic about, missing out on finals as well mm-hmm. you know they were they were flying they were one game ahead I think of us yep. um yeah. and so while we missed out you know on percentage they'd actually won another game and so I feel like you know it was a little bit tougher on them but you yep. can only you can only do what you can do and unfortunately I think in all of our seasons we dropped games that we shouldn't have dropped
0: oh my god they're typical Melbourne yep <laughs> And accuracy in front of goal was the big thing. Yeah. And remember this year when the Melbourne kicked 1-8 and we stood next to each other and you were just like, I'm going to go now because it's sad.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know. But I guess, you know, some of those things, I guess, are themes across our four seasons really.
0: They are. You Melbourne, know, even
1: in this game we can talk about missed opportunities.
0: <laughs> Melbourne, uh, I did the stats on it and Melbourne – over the time, have been the second least accurate team in the competition, mm. which tells us all we need to know. Do you want to know who the least accurate has been? No, who? the inaugural teams? The Giants.
1: Ah, yes, okay. Also yep. appropriate in this game. Also appropriate.
0: <laughs> so we get to season 2020. We have conferences again, but it's the top three of each that make it through to finals. Melbourne, again, are in the tougher conference with strong teams like Fremantle, Carlton and Collingwood. So it was already going to be tough, but Melbourne were looking like a really strong team heading into it. Their list was probably the best in the competition. And then Lauren Pierce goes down and needs knee surgery in the preseason, which meant she was going to be out for half the season. Lily, and cops a synd- syndesmosis injury in the preseason game against Collingwood, which we were at together. Yes. Um, Kat Smith and Shay Sloan both go down with ACLs in the preseason. Uh, Jackie Parry does her hamstring in the preseason. She was such an exciting prospect. Number mm. 19, everyone watch out for it. Kicked a, kicked a great goal in that preseason game. Um, Guerin, Kemp and Lampard all do their ACLs during the season. Shelly Heath had to get her appendix out midway through the season. Meg Downey missed half, second half of the season due to illness. And then Sinead Goldrick and Neve McAvoy, who were our Irish recruits, who were incredible, then at the start of the pandemic, as finals were coming, were sent back to Ireland for their benefit, which you can't complain, no one complains about. Um, so we lost two very important players through that. Uh, Tegan Cunningham was terribly out of form after a brilliant season the year before. And Sarah Perkins, um, noted Hawthorne VFLW player, had to be elevated as an injury replacement player because Melbourne was down to their threshold. So backs were against the wall.
1: Yeah you can add one other one in there remember bianca jacobson oh
0: shit left I at the about start.
1: yeah so and but that's a really interesting one because she she um left at the start of the season because of her work commitments and yeah. i think that's such a, a pertinent point when you talk about aflw that there are so many things that you know can be barriers yeah. for you know women playing at the highest level and one of those things can be the fact that they you know have full-time jobs as well
0: yeah, and Bianca Jacobson is such an important player to the team and, mm. like, all of these players are important players to oh, the team. Oh,
1: absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I was, like, December last year, I was so confident. I was like, this is Melbourne's year. Like, they're mm. going to do it this year. Look at this list. Libby Burch into this defensive line, amazing. Daisy Pierce is back. Like, look at what they can do. And then mm. slowly they just started dropping like flies and I, I just lost hope with everything. Well,
1: you know, especially when you look at, say, Lauren Pierce said won the Lambert Pierce medal in the, which is for the best and fairest in the VFLW competition. Yep. That's massive. And so, you know, you think you've got her. Daisy coming back is a massive story. Libby, I don't know that we necessarily knew she was going to play as well as she did. I think, yep. you know, she was a great pickup, but I think she definitely delivered way more than, you know, we maybe expected. Um, and then, you know, Louise, I remember when Kat Smith went down, I was devastated because I was yep. devastated for all of these injuries. But, you know, Catherine Smith was just such a important cog in that kind of defensive sort of midfield like role in the previous yep. season. She's amazing so yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it someone was- had told me when she went down that we'd still make finals i'd go okay
0: <laughs> it's actually like looking at it now going through that list alone <laughs> and looking at the conference they were in how well they actually played is actually really impressive given mm. all of that yeah it's still upsetting <laughs> but Yeah, like the fact – like players like Shelley Scott really stepped up and took it to another level. And anyone that follows me on Twitter knows that I just lost my mind about Shelley Scott every single week. Harriet Cordner coming out of defence and playing in the ruck for half a season, Mm. she really stood up. Like a lot of players played out of position to get the job done and it's really, really impressive. Kate Hall playing on the wing instead of as a pure forward, like things like that were huge.
1: Eden Zanker, Zanker, you know, being in the ruck with Cordner. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, future captain
1: yeah she's fantastic yeah um yeah no there was look I think you know as all these you know coaches say over the years that when you know players miss because of injury it just gives opportunities to other players and I think we definitely saw that
0: yeah and then to at least still have the trio of oh well, Maddie Gay as well you could talk about that <laughs> She's been incredible inclusion into the midfield that mm. releases Daisy Pierce into defense. But um, Paxman, O'Day, and Pierce, they're, they're just three really strong, mature heads that can help you steady.
1: You know, Elise O'Day is someone who I think just flies under the radar. Yeah. But you can't underestimate, you can't understate how important she is in that midfield. She hasn't missed a game. In four seasons of AFLW, and that's that's pretty extraordinary. Yeah. I think it's funny that Jess Dalpos, you know, on GWs is also similar. Both of them, Darab and Falcons, but um, you know, Elise is just such a um, kind of a wise head. She never stops working. She's just the kind of solid footballer that I really really love having on my team.
0: Yeah, repeat efforts I think are everything Mm. and she epitomises that for sure because she's not a flashy player. Like, Paxman can come out and do something. You're just like, how did you do that? Whereas Mm. um, O'Day is more of – it's almost workmanlike, just repeat time Mm. after time, like, getting in there. And I guess Shelley Scott is very much that kind of player as well and I love that sort of thing. And, yeah, so it's a really beautifully balanced list and that's why going into this season we're all like, yes, Melbourne is the team. (laughs) Oh, So the season gets cut short after round six of eight. Melbourne is sitting third in Conference B. So if they were going to fast track to a final series, you're like, okay, Melbourne's safe, right? Um, The first announcement, and I vividly remember this night because I had a Pilates class at 8 p.m. <laughs> and these announcements were coming out at like 10 to 8. So I'm like dr- frantically on my phone. So the first announcement I saw from the AFL or from media relaying what the afl had said was that only the top two would go through to an expedited final series so melbourne was going to miss again so then i do an hour's pilates class just all mad that melbourne is mid finals again because it's fucking pandemic and everything is bad and i hate everything and then i come out of the class so an hour later it's been updated it's the top four of each so melbourne have finally made a final series after four years And it's just like, what is happening?
1: I think there was, you know, it was frustrating that night because I think just the communication regarding AFLW was just unclear and it was kind of taking a bit of a backseat to the communication about the Season 1 of the AFLM. So um, that was frustrating but we got there in the end.
0: Yeah, we got there again. So Melbourne was scheduled to come up against the Giants from Conference A, who had finished second um, for Conference A in front of no crowds, up at Giant Stadium, the first ever AFLW match at Giant Stadium. So let's get to the game itself.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: ball, ball goes up and Jess Allen immediately shows that she is going to match Lauren Pierce all day. It was set, Lauren Pierce's second game for the season because of that knee injury. Yeah. Um, and we all know and love Lauren Pierce, but she she was a little bit underdone coming in. Um, yeah. and Jess Allen, we know, is a highly athletic ruck. She's young, she can jump high, and she's also really good at ground level. So it was going to be a big challenge for Lauren Pierce. And for that reason, it felt like GWS were kind of immediately on top in the middle of the ground. So that immediately I was like, oh, God, this is going to be bad. Because, again, we're without our two best runners in Goldrick and McAvoy, you know, our defence has taken a huge hit with no Lampard or Kemp there. It's just like, oh, this is going to be bad. And then Jacinda Barclay was kind of epitomised what the Giants were doing by in the forward line, just her strong tackling and keeping it in there. Mm -hmm. Melbourne just couldn't get it out of defence, which is something they'd been doing very effectively until that point that year
1: yeah I think this felt like um, this really felt like a final to me you know that the really contested kind of nervy feeling I feel like neither team really settled for the whole of the quarter it was um, you know and we've seen many games like this over the year with men's and over the years with men's and women's that often it just takes a while to kind of get into the flow um yeah. but I think what's interesting is that um, we see, both Cora Daunton and um, Alicia Eva both miss shots Mm -hmm. on goal. And I think, you know, we talked earlier about our inaccuracy and GWS's inaccuracy in front of goal and this really sets it up. This was kind of in the back of my head about, you know, lost opportunities. Um, We had an opportunity, I think there was a kick-in from Zanka into our forward 50 which um Tegan Cunningham kind of had an opportunity she needed the ball to sit right she needed to be able to just you know pick it up in one movement that was and I feel like that was really our only opportunity in that first quarter
0: have I missed one no that was really kind of our only meaningful Mm. foray forward and I think um had it and it did feel even though they were nervy and missing those shots, the Giants did spend a lot more time in their forward 50 for this. And it, it was really only thanks to Libby Birch's intercept marking across halfback and mm. Sarah Perkins' repeat efforts in the forward line. I think that kept us in it in that quarter.
1: Yeah, and I'd also say Daisy. I think... Mm. I mean, is this the right time to say how much I love watching Daisy Pierce play in defense? It's
0: always the right time. <laughs>
1: like I just and I do have a real soft spot for defenders. I think, you know, it's easy to be flashy. It's I just I love just the work rate and how accountable you have to be as a defender. And I think Libby played um, i'd love to see how many intercept marks she took for the season like it'd be incredible but just she played like a goalkeeper role where she was she was just always in the hole she was always in the right spot and um then we had you know days kind of doing the same um and just providing just great sort of kicking efficiency out of defense yeah, and just so, like,
0: so, yeah like yeah. every time she had the ball it was like everything slowed down for a second mm-hmm. i'm getting get any of that um, intercept possession stat oh. as well. So. <laughs> I forgot what I was speaking I...
1: to the stat queen. <laughs> oh,
0: <sorry. laughs> I've got it. Um, okay, I've only got it for the first four rounds, um, but she had 25 in four games, so averaged 6.25 yeah. across the first four rounds, which is insanity. Yeah. And it was a, it's actually a big up on her previous years. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, Daisy's like cool head, and you know that, my one of my favourite players, Harriet cordner another defender. So mm. we, we can relate on that. And it's funny you say that because when I did an episode with Emma, your sister, about Hawthorne's mm-hmm. first women's flag, she spent a lot of time raving about another defender, Chantella Pereira. Chantella. So, yeah. So it's I love that this is a the theme across the <laughs> two of you. It's <laughs> good. Um Yeah, every time she got the ball, it was like there was space all of a sudden and everyone mm. could take a breath and position themselves better. Yeah. Um, and there was also a moment when you said it felt much a lot like a final. There was a moment two ex-teammates, uh, uh, Alicia Eva, came in and bumped – Karen Paxman a bit high and Karen Paxman pushed her out of the way and I'd never seen Paxi do that in the AFLW before just like get genuinely angry on the field and I was like okay yes this is a hundred percent a final because they're mates aren't they
1: yeah they are well yeah and also Alicia Eva isn't someone that I ever expect to bump someone high either as well like they're (laughs) just I really noticed that as well when I was re-watching the replay I was like oh goodness me
0: (laughs) It was like just desperation football yeah, in yeah. the quarter. Yeah, so really the, the quarter ends with um Oh, and I want to shout out Shelly Heath's agility in this game. She lays some really important tackles and put some really important pressure on this game. She's a I
1: gest- have a whole page about Shelly Heath. Um, and I think you know probably great in this quarter, but third and fourth quarter. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe, team. yeah, yeah. We'll talk about I'm, I'm a huge yeah. Shelley Heath fan. <laughs> but, um, you know, there's there's an opportunity right at the end of the quarter for Privatelli to kick mm. a goal and I um, just want to say how much I loved watching Privatelli play Um, and I'm so wrapped. You know, in, in this game we have her, you know, she who got mark of the year and yep. goal of the year, Kate Hoare, and yes. I liked that.
0: <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Kate Hoare's goal of the year was so Yeah. Beautiful. Yep, was um, good. So we end the quarter with the Giants on 0-2-2 and Melbourne on 0-1-1. So very tight. A lot played between the arcs in particular.
1: Mm. So we
0: go into the second quarter and it, immediately it feels like the Giants are very conscious of Karen Paxman because Karen Paxman did get a lot of the ball in the first quarter. Yeah. Um but it was actually Lily Mithen who earned a high free kick, which I've seen called dubious somewhere, which I don't think it was that questionable.
1: Yes, I don't think it was either. But, you know, I might have my, you know, navy and red goggles on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Maybe I do too. But, um, yeah, it's about five minutes in. It's, it's in the pocket. It's not an easy kick. And she famously the week before against... The Eagles, or oh, two weeks before, sorry, against the Eagles, had a chance to kick her first goal in footy and missed. And this one, it was like, okay, more anticipation. Will she kick her first goal? She'd played 24 games. Like, is she going to get there? And she goes back and slots it and she celebrates. And it's just like, this is a great celebration, but it kind of foreshadows mm. what's to come, doesn't it?
1: Absolutely. She does. I'd call her celebration an understated inwards double cobra. <laughs> <laughs> just a little you know the little fist point yeah. and it's um it's just gorgeous i've always thought whenever i see lily myth and i think small but powerful like yeah. she's just oh she just is like this little packs of punch this kid. like she's amazing i just yeah. love her she's like a um energizer bunny she's a great <laughs> just incredible part of the team she's one of those players you always want to have around you know yeah. she was devastated to injure herself in that practice game and I think you know we were devastated to see it too and mm. I think you and I were saying to each other no no she's fine she's fine no, we thought she's fine. yeah we thought she was fine um and I was you know lucky enough to see her at some of those early games um where she didn't have a full match day role so the thing that the um, demons did which was awesome is that um players like um Shay Sloan and cat um had cat Smith had you know some dedicated like they had roles jobs to do on the mm-hmm. bench and um you know really keeping them part of that team but players like Lily who they were hoping to get back um you know she was just there and she was always I just remember you know her and Sarah Perkins just being so up and about and cheery and doing everything they can for their teammates. And so when you see Lily kick that goal and you just see what it meant to her and the fact that Kate Hoare, her dear friend um, and housemate, Housemate. was over there and they (laughs) hug each other, like I get shivers. I get shivers talking about it now.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. I, I like that you mentioned Kate Hawke, because that also foreshadows what's to come too. But the yeah. I lo- kind of love that. Like, it would have been nice if there'd been a crowd for Lily to celebrate with, um, after kicking her first goal. But the fact that there's no crowd, you hear all of the all of her teammates just like joyously scream when the goal yeah. gets kicked, and yeah. it's like it's not just because it's the first goal of the game; it's because they're all just stoked for her. Yeah, it's so yeah. good. Um, it's so good. <laughs> but. Melbourne do their typical thing where they just pepper at goals and kick one goal, five. Yeah. <sighs> and then, the I
1: sorry. I was just going to say, you know, the, the missed opportunities, you know, by Paxi, um, Zanka, and Scott. And I think Tegan misses one as well. From the pocket, yeah. From the pocket. And you can't, you know, when you think about this game and the fact that Paxi, Zanka, and at least, you know, those two are definitely in the best on ground for the for the whole game. Like they're definitely in it. I think we're yep. just we're doing that thing of bombing inside fifty. We're not thinking our way through, you know, good sort of forward fifty entries. Yeah, um, which is probably also the GWS defence. You know that.
0: Yeah, um, Elle Bennett, who was in the All Challenge squad, she was incredible this year. She had a
1: great year.
0: And then Annalise Lister, who again, out of the Darabin mm-hmm. program, she in her first year was brilliant. And then you've got, you know, their midfielders that do push back really hard and do defend really hard. They mm. don't. The, the Giants don't play lazy football. They get into not. They they get into every contest, and obviously, Jacinda Barclay's tackling is destroying everything. But with thirty seconds left in the half, oh. Melbourne Melbourne had dominated this quarter. They controlled the ball. They would kicked one goal four in this quarter. Yeah. 30 seconds left. There's a one last foray forward for the Giants, and Amy Schmidt sna- snaps a brilliant goal. It's a brilliant goal. She kicked their first oh, goal boy. of the season, um, and then she kicks their first of the final, and uh, it's one point in it. It's just like all of that for it to be one point in it at, Half time GWS 1410 to Melbourne's 1511 it's just like god there's
1: so it's so true <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean you know even after that because you know it's right in that last sort of 30 seconds to go from the center bounce there's this great mark by Zanka who you know right on the siren but outside her range she tries kick it, to kick it um, into Shelly Scott but runs out of time it's like they're doing yeah. all the right things but there's just it's not happening on the scoreboard
0: Yeah. And it's, but that's again, like added to the finals atmosphere of it too, doesn't it? Mm -hmm, It really does. I think like from my, from my history of men's footy as well, um, the the first premiership my team won in men's that I was alive for, um, was that 2005 grand final where it's low scoring, it's lots of stoppages. And this is the kind of footy that I've always loved. Mm. So I think that's maybe why I've latched on to women's footy so well as well, because it is a lot of that, which I think is great. I don't know what everyone else's problem is. Um, so it's just like, but that constant tension, there's no relief to the tension. And Hannah Gadsby just like would love this because it's just like, <laughs> oh, just like give me a break for a second.
1: I think it's the intensity as well. The fact that it's... Um you know shorter quarters mm-hmm. which I think we're starting to see at the moment with the men's playing shorter quarters that yeah. you just you don't have that time you know that flat time in a quarter where people just kind of can lose concentration I guess it's more a case of getting you get punished for lapses in com- concentration and punished for not taking your opportunities Yeah, and it just heightens everything
0: yes yes that is I think a much better way to explain it <laughs> than just referencing Hannah Gadsby. Um, no, I
1: like that reference. I think that's good.
0: She's <laughs> amazing. I watched the new one the other day. It was so good. It's so, so funny. good. I, it was like 1am and I was watching it and I was laughing really loudly and I was like, oh, neighbors you'll be mad at me. <laughs> um, let's go to the third quarter. So two minutes into the third quarter, Jestel Poz gets a high free who... Who gives it away for Melbourne? It's Lily Mithin. She's involved in so many key moments in this game. Yeah. Um, and Delpos goes back and it's it's not a it's not an easy set shot. It's about 40 meters out, and she slots it. It's an incredible kick and she absolutely gets the giants up and about, and they have all the control. And there's a particular moment where you can just tell that they have the control is when Britt Tully, she's coming towards 50 and she just spots Privatelli up in this space in the forward line, just hits it on her chest. It's just like, yeah. how was the space? How was she able to get that kickoff? Like it was just like the Giants have everything going right for them. But Privatelli wasn't able to slot it. It's like, oh maybe there's hope.
1: Yeah. It's um I found this quarter was almost like a mirror image of the second quarter. Except yeah. so, you know, I think in in the second quarter We'd had something like five inside 50s to their none, and then it gets flipped on its head in this quarter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we just can't get it anywhere. It's, um, I think, again, you know, where Schmidt plays on at one point and hits the post. Yep. Um, there's this lovely spot where Tate Mackerel, and I, I love watching Tate Mackerel, <laughs> Tate Mackerel, oh Sells uh, the best candy in to this Daisy quarter. Pierce. the quarter. P- Daisy, she did it earlier on. I think that was in the second quarter, but she does oh, it again God. here and kicks a point. And I just thought she would like who sells candy to Daisy Pierce and gets away with it and I've then she it because- does it again. And um, yeah. Um, you know, unfortunately, she she kicks a point. So I think in the same way that we didn't make the most of our opportunities, they didn't. But um, we could talk about Shelley Heath here because I think she was like the rare highlight for us. Mm-hmm. Um, just her run, she is so fast. And for someone who, I don't know if this is mean, but I always think of Anne of Green Gables when I see her because she's, you know, got her braided plaits. She's little, she looks so young, um, but she's such a solid tackler and yep. she brings pressure and it's through, she brings pressure through work rate because she gets to the contests and then she springs up and she gets to the next one. But just her her run, I thought, in that third quarter was fantastic.
0: I love that reference because I have a Shelly Heath badge on my Melbourne scarf. Um Alongside my favourites, Shelley Scott and Harriet Cordner, of course. Um, and I was at the Western Bulldogs match in round two with some of my Siren friends um, and Kirby Fenwick, who Western Bulldogs fan. We'll yeah. deal with that, whatever. Um, <laughs> she immediately said the same thing. She's like, "Oh, she looks like a Victorian era girl." <laughs> <laughs> so i don't the only one thinking that. Oh. Um, Also, Tate Mackerel, what an angel. I did a really great interview with Tate um, a few weeks ago, so go to Siren and read that. That's my plug for this. Um, Yeah, Shelly Heath, I think, when Bianca Jacobson um, was ruled out for the season, I was wondering where... I was trying to work out where we'd get that wing position from. And Bianca Jacobson is quite tall. She's good at intercept marking, and that's how they used her on the wing. But I kind of flagged, particularly after that Collingwood preseason game, that her run and pressure on the wing and endurance could be that replacement on the wing. She's not a like for like mm-hmm. replacement with Jacobson, but she can do it the job differently. And we saw her do that against Collingwood in preseason. And I think I yelled it at you like four times. Look at Shelly Heath. Look at (laughs) Shelly Heath. Um, So she came in and she 100% did that job. And then she just had to have her appendix out. So we really missed her in those two games. And I think the Carlton one in particular, we missed her. So for her to come in and just get straight back into it was really exciting. She's only 19, 20, yeah, She's super yeah. young. And everyone talks about Tyler Hanks from that draft, but Shelley Heath is just and Tyler mm-hmm. Hanks is incredible, but Shelly Heath is just as important to the team yeah, I yeah. think that Hanks is.
1: Oh, uh, there was um I thought there was a great battle between Tyler Hanks and um, Lisa Steen. Oh
0: my god, yes. So which good.
1: I loved, and I think I had a real soft spot for Lisa Steen because um, I was lucky enough to go and visit the GWS facility. Um, Nicole Hayes from the podcast and I'd been up in Sydney earlier this year and we went out and visited the Giants, oh, and so cool. which was awesome. And they were telling us about, you know, they had a social media post going up that afternoon. And so I kept my eye on it and it was Lisa Steen being surprised at school. She's a teacher to yeah. say that she was making, you know, she was going to run out this week, that weekend. And um. Sometimes when you have little moments like that, it just gives you a little connection, I think, to that player. And Lisa is a speedy, speedy player. And her battle with Tyler, like, neither of them really got heaps of stats in this game. But they definitely kind of neutralised each other.
0: Yeah, 100%. Like, there was one passage of play where Steen had played three important tackles one after the other. It was just like... And, and she, after that debut, she came in. She didn't miss a game after mm. that. She was so important. And I think if she'd been one year younger, she would have gotten a rising star nomination. But she's 22, I think. So she yeah. wasn't eligible. It's just like she's been... She, and I think a lot of people got her and Al Bennett's mixed up as well because they're both playing that similar role out of the mm. defensive line. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm glad you shouted out her because she's been incredible. But with 11 seconds remaining... Sorry, I got off topic a bit. That's um, Okay. 11 seconds remaining in the third quarter. Cora Staunton kicks a goal um, and the Giants now hold the biggest lead of the game, which is 14 points. So going into the final quarter, it's GWS 3 7, 25 to Melbourne's 1-5-11. Melbourne did not score in that quarter and I was dejected. Um, I'd, I'd given up hope at this point. I was being dramatic.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it was, you know, if you think um, in the context of, you know everything else we were looking down the barrel of you know we didn't know what was happening with um coronavirus and there was you know people talking about lockdowns and you know you can kind of try and get distracted by football but then when your team's not kicking any goals or points in a in a quarter in a final it all of a sudden gets a little bit um serious and yeah. um you know it, i remember feeling the same i was like you know try to just keep your eye on the big picture here lucy <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> bit <of> self-talk yeah.
1: <laughs> but you know I can't be mad at Cora kicking a goal because that's also a great comeback story that she came back from what sounded like the most horrific broken leg um to be out there playing is actually extraordinary when you think that Tom Mitchell missed a whole season of men's football after you know a similar lower leg break um yeah. I am in awe of Cora Staunton
0: And she's 37 as well. Like that has a big impact as well. I know you're laughing because you're like, I'm older than that. And it's yeah, way older than that. (laughs) In terms of, in terms of like your body's ability to recover at the age Mm. of 37, as compared to Tom Mitchell's 25, like that's a big, Mm. big deal.
1: Yeah,
0: absolutely. Even like the trauma of that happening on a footy field and then wanting to step back out and do that thing that. Cause you so much pain, like I'm such a sook. I've done my knee and I refuse to play soccer ever again. (laughs) Again, I'm being dramatic. (laughs) Soccer is a dumb sport. No, it's not, it's not a dumb sport. I just don't like it because it injured me. It's the sport's fault, not mine. Um, so (laughs) Melbourne have finally made their first final in four years and they go into the final quarter with a 14-point deficit after they've only kicked one goal five for the game. So it didn't feel great. Um, and the Giants took control early in this game. But I, my first note for early in this quarter, my first note for this quarter is that Shelley Heath's tackling again. Yeah. I think it kept us in it early and helped turn the tide for us. Yep. When I say us, I mean Melbourne. Yeah,
1: this is a truly bi- biased and parochial episode. Yes,
0: that's, that's the whole point of this podcast, I should say.
1: There's also a beautiful, and I don't know if this kind of happened around the same time, but there's a, um, a beautiful string of kicks that I noticed out of defence. So we're you know got the ball, and it goes Paxi, kicks it to Daisy, kicks it to Kate Haw, kicks it to Elise O'Day. And then she kicks to Newman, who is stopped by Tully. But it's just the most beautiful string of kicks. And it's also like, you know, just these names that are synonymous with Melbourne AFLW team. And I thought, no, they got, there's something here.
0: Yeah. It's just like brings a little tear to the eye. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So with 10 minutes left of the game, Melbourne are down by 15 points. So they played about six minutes. Giants had scored one behind, but it was still very tight. But then, woman of the moment, Shelly Scott, she takes a beautiful mark. Um, she's it's seven and a half minutes left of the quarter, and she set shot from about 40 out, and she goals. And uh, it was actually Lily Mithin that set up this shot it was who kicked yeah. it into her and when I say Lily Mithun was involved in a lot of key moments I really mean Lily Mithun was involved in a lot of key moments yeah. so Melbourne are now down by nine points and I just want to run through what happens over the next seven minutes or so and then we'll talk about it cool okay I want to make it dramatic go so Melbourne's <laughs> down by nine po- and Harriet Corner laid a few really crucial tackles in this one on
1: Cora points. Yeah, Yeah,
0: to keep it in the forward half for Melbourne because she pushed right up and her, um, Libby Birch and even Tyler Hanks created that barrier where they just couldn't get it past. Yeah. So the Giants were locking it down. They were creating repeat stoppages. But Sarah Perkins, who we flagged earlier, that it's her repeat efforts that are huge. She wins a holding the ball free kick because she not she went up, tried to take the mark, wasn't able to hold on to it. But as soon as she got to ground level, she was tackling, and that was the big highlight of her game for melbourne this year she wins the free kick it's about 40 meters out it's a pretty significant angle so i was just like it is what it is and she goes back and she goals for melbourne and they're down by three points and it's such a big like kind of moment because shelly scott got them within dis the distance of it but this Perkins' kick made it feel real. They're down oh. by three points. There's three and a half minutes to go. And Sarah Perkins, their injury replacement player, who was delisted by a, a Premiership club the year before, has kicked this crucial, crucial goal to win the momentum back for oh. Melbourne. And then we get to one minute left. There's a stoppage at the top of Melbourne's forward 50. Lauren Pierce takes it out of the ruck. She handballs it to Kate Hoare, the uh, roommate of Lily Mithen. Haw kicks it beautifully, but Mithin is in a one-on-one against Annalise Lister, who is significantly taller than her. And let's be honest, most AFLW players are significantly taller than Lily Mithon. So it's this great one-on-one battle. Haw kicks it, not necessarily to Mithon's advantage, but kicks it into the right spot. And Mithon marks it in a great contested mark. Almost exactly the same spot as where she gold from in the first quarter to kick her first ever goal in AFLW footy. How were you feeling at this moment where she was going back to line up for this shot?
1: I can actually picture myself. I was sitting right on the edge of the couch and I'd been, I'd kind of, you know, when I feel like the game's kind of slipping away, I'm happy to lie back, have a, you know, rug over my knee, whatever. Um, I was right at the end of the couch and I had screamed so loud I'd hurt my throat <laughs> and I was just beside myself, like oh. just, pleading with everything that she'd be able to kick it.
0: I I do the same. I can't sit back when I watch my teams play. Um, usually I'm standing up. I usually can't sit mm. down or I'm sitting like up towards. So I was standing at this point and I was watching with my brother and he was just like looking at me. I was standing up, very nervous. She goes back. She's only kicked one goal in her AFLW career to this point and it was in the second quarter from the same spot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I think the fact that it's from the same spot is really relevant.
0: Yeah, and it was similar spot to where Perkins kicked her goal from as well, yeah. mm-hmm. and even Shelly Scott's. So it was all kind of coming from there, and it was the same spot as uh, <laughs> Dal Pozza's goal for the Giants, because it was all all the goal kicking was to that end of the stadium too. So she goes back. There's thirty seconds left, and Lily Mithen kicks her second ever goal in AFLW footy, and she does the famous celebration, which was. Kind of the previous one but gone up a notch. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and also with a hug by Kate Hall.
0: Oh, so perfect. And I love that um since then they've they did a little video uh from home where they were watching the game and then they recreated it.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's and- beautiful.
0: Oh, I love them so much. So she kicks it and Melbourne is up by three points with 30 seconds left. And for the last 30 seconds, the ball lived between the arcs. Yeah. Melbourne were able to shut it down for that 30 seconds. But it was just like the absolute desolation on the Giants' faces because they had the game won and yeah. it slipped, but they didn't do anything drastically wrong. It's not like... um in the men when Sydney came back from the 19 points down with four and a half minutes to go around 14, 2017, where it's just like they should have done this, they should have done this, and it's very clear. In this game, it was just like it was just luck almost. Like Mm. both teams played very, very well. It wasn't someone fucked up and it was like on one person. It was just that's just what happened.
1: I think it just, you know, that kick into Lily Mitten from Kate Hoare, that was just a great mark. Yep. And it was just that Lily was in the right spot. The ball was in the right spot. You know, she, you know, basically had Lister kind of almost over the top of her, mm. um, but she just still managed to grab it. And that's just that's good football. That yeah, you know, and that's one of those things that I don't know how you could have um, defended that but you know it is what it is it's um there was a, a lovely I thought it was lovely that the ball was kind of in Shelley Heath's hands kind of right at the end that yeah. you know there's you know that 25 seconds on the clock and you know that still can be enough time you know for the game to to slip away and so that center bounce that last center bounce was still really really important and yeah. you see the ball um you know goes to Shelly and she's able to take a little bit of time off and she's, you know, clearly got, you know, some experienced players sort of telling her just, you know, settle yep. it down. And and I thought that was pretty awesome that, you know, she was there at the end as well.
0: Yeah, I can't speak highly enough of Shelly Heath if <laughs> anyone hasn't noticed that already. Um, but it was just, it was such a consummate Lily myth and game in a way yeah. because, not the goal kicking, obviously, because it was the first goal she kicked, but her involvement in absolutely everything. And that's what Lily Mithun has always been known for. And everyone talks about Pierce, O'Day, and Paxman, and that's the trio at Melbourne. That's the trio yeah. at Melbourne. But Mithun has always been there supporting them on the outside and hasn't gotten a lot of that credit so when she was missing it was really obvious all of a sudden to people how important she was so for her to come in and have such a huge impact all over the ground it was just kind of really beautiful and then so Melbourne have won their first ever final and then what a day later we find out that the season's ended so (laughs) No, they fucking make finals, they win the a final in a dramatic way, and then the season is cancelled.
1: You just couldn't script it, could you? You just couldn't script it. And I know, you know, you've mentioned Sarah Perkins, but I think, you know, if you say a game is kind of um, emblematic of somebody like Lily, this game is emblematic of someone like Sarah Perkins that she just, what she can affect, she does affect. And um, you can't understate her, um, just the role that she played in those repeat stoppages. Yep, 100%. Um, after she kicks that goal, she goes running to the bench, and they <laughs> they tell her to go back on. She has to do a U-turn, <laughs> and um, I was like, "Yeah, good idea, mixed in here, keep her on," because you know she she just brings that pressure. She's again, she's just a really hard worker, and um, I just adore her and. Love having her as part of the Hawthorne VFLW team. And so, of course, I have a massive soft soft spot for her as well. But just to see her get her chance um, and to really play such an important role is, how great that? It's almost like a fairy tale, really.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, uh, the thing that makes this Melbourne win and this Melbourne season kind of different to the other successful teams. So, like, Fremantle had an incredible year and, yeah, they had some injuries, but, like, it it kind of just was steady for them a lot of the year, Mm -hmm. whereas Carlton very similarly, Collingwood very similar, whereas Melbourne – had all of this stuff go against them and then they've had all these stories come into it. So like Kate Hoare and Lily Mithin being housemates and knowing each other well enough that that kick could get to her or Shelley getting her appendix out and coming back into the side and having a huge impact or Daisy Pierce being the first one to have a year off to have babies and come back and have a big impact or Sarah Perkins coming in and as an injury replacement player and playing a key role in the final Mm -hmm. three games for Melbourne. Like, all those stories coming in are just, like, what are the chances of all these things coming together?
1: Yeah, yeah, And, look, who knows what would have happened when we played Fremantle. So we would have played Fremantle the following week and we hadn't had a chance to
0: play them. We will meant to season. play them before the season had stopped.
1: Yeah. So um, who knows? Um, and, you know, in some ways I know, you know, it's really, it's so frustrating that we weren't able to, to get a result but again, I just kind of you know have been able to put it in the context of this very strange year that we're having. and um you know there's there's a lot of things that I can take there's a lot of joy I can take out of um, season four of afl w um, yep. and particularly um you know, watching Melbourne closely. so um that it still fills my heart.
0: yeah, yeah, I just. I I think the biggest thing for me wasn't the finals win. It was Shelley Scott winning the BNF because I think she, and I actually wrote an article prior to the season starting. I thought she was one of the top 10 most underrated players in the competition. And for her to come in and win the BNF when Karen Paxman didn't miss a game, Daisy Pierce didn't miss a game. Like there were other players that people would have assumed would have pipped her. Um, The fact that, she was recognised, even though it was internally at the club and not like competition wide. Mm. That for me was like such a big moment because she she led the competition for marks on the lead. I think she was second for contested marks as well. Like she was Melbourne's leading goal kicker in a year where Alicia Newman, who is normally right up there, couldn't kick it, like didn't kick goals. She kicked seven behind to the season. Like in a year where King uh, Cunningham, we've talked about, couldn't mm. kind of get a game together. In a year where Melbourne was searching for someone to stand up in the forward half, she did it. And i that was, for me, my biggest takeaway for Melbourne this year.
1: Yeah. And I'd add into that Kate Hoare, Um, you know, that she I think she mm. came third in the BNF and just behind Paxi. And, you know, given that Tegan hadn't had a great year, I think she'd only kicked two goals for the season, yeah. um, whereas, you know, she, you know, kicked probably four times that in the previous year. Um having someone like Kate just really step up and um, become such a, a um, dangerous forward yeah. um, was just, you know, great. And we couldn't have done it without her. Yeah. Thanks, Kate.
0: Thanks, Kate. <laughs> we we can talk about every player like this because even oh, like the Irish girls coming in, they had a massive impact. And then Sarah Lampard who came back off that knee injury and then re-injured mm. it, but her – Game and her work until that point was incredible. ainsley Kemp, another one. Yep. you know Harriet Cordner being thrown into the ruck and then back into defence, and Eden Zanka mm. for the ruck and like everyone plays for the team. I think is probably what I'm getting. At. Yeah,
1: I think so. Even you know Jackie Parry who'd missed from injury, but you know she has that lovely role in um in Kate's goal of the year.
0: Yes, sorry. I- Jackie Parry, I can't wait to see a full season <laughs> from her. And yeah. it feels kind of appropriate because I notoriously love Mitch Hannon for the men's Melbourne team. And they're both number 19. I'm just like, maybe I need to get a number 19 Melbourne Guernsey. Um I'm contemplating. We'll see. Yeah.
1: Well, Hopefully. 19's my favorite number. So
0: it, it's my favorite number too. Yeah. Oh. There we go. My birthday. <laughs>
1: mine too. <laughs> okay, we, need to, we
0: need to talk about this. Lucy and I are kindred spirits. You said that already. I think yeah. we definitely are. <laughs> the more I talk to you, the more I'm like, yes, we relate so hard. <laughs> um anyway, I think we should wrap this up cuz I am just going to, you know, lament about football being AFLW uh, being over. Um And we don't want to be sad. No, we
1: don't. Well, here, let me end on something that's really positive. Um, And I know that you'll be across this because you are across all of this stuff. But, you know, there's always there's a lot of talk about AFLW and, you know, there's, you know, the haters and there's some naysayers. And what I think we can be really happy about is to know that the AFL commission has come out and said, we strongly back this competition, that it's going ahead next year. There's no change to soft cap or, um, you know, salaries, you know, everything that was planned to be will be, um, fingers crossed, just given what's happening with um, spikes in COVID numbers. But I was really, really happy when I saw the TV ratings
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and saw that um, the ratings for AFLW was up this year And it was up by quite a significant amount, like 300,000. It's enormous with um, men aged. (laughs) What is it, in the 50 to 64 age group, is like bizarre. But knowing, you know, from talking about football on Twitter and, you know, I know that there are a lot of, you know, it's not just women and girls who follow this competition. There's men and boys who are equally as inspired and love it. Um, And significantly, the TV viewership of AFLW has increased while it's decreased for other parts of, you know, for other, for the AFLM. So, I just think, you know, it's nice to see that because our feeling when we were watching this season was this is great and it's yeah. really getting there. We've seen four new teams come in. Some have done better than others. Um, I think St Kilda was just a standout of the new teams coming in and play such an impressive brand of football. And, of course, you know, with Peter Sell in there, if, you know, we shouldn't be surprised. Yeah. But um, I think, you know, there's... While it ended on a sour note in having to to stop and not, you know, continue through the finals, there's so much to love and to take out of season four.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. And even just like the rise of Matty Presparkus and seeing those young players come in, Georgia Petrukios mm-hmm. having an impact. Um, sorry, Caitlin Greiser, like, coming close to winning the Rising Star and, like, yeah, there's so yeah. much good stuff. And- yeah.
1: Izzy Huntington having the, a great year.
0: Oh my! Like, t- <laughs> t- number one draft pick from three years ago, yeah. Who into defense mm. and does it like? Yeah, there's so many great stories, and I I always talk about how there's a lot of people telling the stories. Not enough people are talking about what happens on the field, and I think this year we're starting to find the balance in how we cover it. Um, obviously, my coverage leads the way, being facetious.
1: <laughs> um, uh yeah, it does. <laughs>
0: but i think what we are actually finding mm-hmm. starting to find people looking more about what's happening on the field not just the stories because the stories matter but what happens on the field also matters and i think we're starting yeah. to get that i yeah.
1: think so and you know thanks to you and thanks to your siren colleagues for what you've done you guys are just a absolute joy and um love what you're doing and it just fills my heart with so much happiness to see more women out there talking about sport because this is what we do. We talk about sport. We love it. <laughs>
0: oh, that makes my heart swell so much. Um I don't know what to say after that. Uh, <laughs> okay. If people want to follow you, how can they find you online?
1: Um, they can find me on Twitter at racing
0: 19 19 i never even noticed that how did i never notice there it that? is
1: <laughs> or um by the outer sanctum podcast so on all of our socials and that's where i tend to talk
0: the outer sanctum is amazing everyone please go and listen to it there's a recent episode from a week and a half ago i want to say called open the door and that has been and all the episodes are great but that one hit me right in the chest so please go and listen to that one specifically but all of them um I am Gemma Bassiani. You can find me at GL Bassiani on Twitter or Play on Radio Melb or support Siren. Sign up to our newsletter because it's all about women in sport. So, not only women's sport, but women working behind the scenes in sport, which I think is equally as important. And I think that's all I need to say. I'll add things later if I need <laughs> to in the edit. Um, thank you so much for joining me, Lucy. I really appreciate it. I'm so excited I got to talk to you today. Uh,
1: thanks, Jenna. I can't believe you asked me, but thank you so much. I you know, really enjoyed it. And I've been missing standing in the outer with you, so this felt like a, a good replacement.
0: Yeah, I feel, <laughs> I feel like every time <laughs> we are at the footy together, I just talk nonstop, not necessarily at anyone, but you're just so kind in actually responding to me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, i was going to make a joke about having three children but no <laughs> i i just like I, what I got to say i really do i just i think you're one of the most um important voices around football men's and women's and i think you're really really smart in the way that you watch the game the way you analyze the game and if i could stand next to you at every single game that i watched men's or women's i would be much smarter about football so
0: that's the truth it's being so nice to me what is happening someone <laughs> hire me that's what i should say someone hire me listen Absolutely. to lucy and hire me yeah. Amy and pay lucy um i'm gonna stop blushing and wrap it up this has been i see it but i don't believe it that's been lucy race find her online because she's amazing listen to the Our sanctum i've been joe Vassiani. find me online if you want i'm not pressuring you into that go and follow Lucy instead. And uh, I'll be back soon with another episode. If you've got a topic you want to talk about, throw it at me and I'll happily talk to you about it because everything is online. So we'll just do it on a Google Hangout. Anyway, uh, catch you soon.